All right. Good morning, everybody. Before I jump into my message this morning, a quick announcement. I wanted to save this for the time when I'm preaching, uh, right before I'm preaching. Um, uh, about eight or nine years ago, some of you guys remember Andrew and Jamie Sharp, who are now in Greenville, South Carolina, uh, part of a great work there called Hope Church. They've been connecting there for a while. But about eight years ago, they came to us and said, hey, we feel like the Lord has called us to plant a church. And so um, we went to prayer and fasting and seeking God about what that meant for them, what that journey would look like, the transition. And one of the things we did, we don't talk about this often, but uh, we did this as an eldership team. We took um, a month or two and we just prayed and we asked God, we said, Lord, if you're moving in Andrew and Jamie to lead a church, um, does that mean you want them to lead Dothan Christian Fellowship? And so as an eldership team, we prayed. And uh, that's a little frightening for me because I was, I'm the lead guy. And so that meant if the Lord's saying, yeah, I want them to take DCF, then I'm like, oh, then what am I going to do, right? So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be on a new journey. <laughs> but our heart and our passion has always been, Lord, we want to see you do what you want to do, even if it's inconvenient for us, even if it's challenging, even if we don't understand, because we know you're good. And at the end of the day, if we do what you ask of us, it's going to turn out well. The challenge, the transition might be challenging. It might not, we might not understand it. Um, but as we look backwards, when we've done that, we've been obedient to the Lord. As we look backwards, it's always a straight line. We can see God has moved perfectly in every way as long as we've been obedient. And the only time it wasn't a straight line is when I've been disobedient in my life. And so we prayed into that, <clears throat> felt like that, you know, God was not call, calling them to lead uh, DCF at the time. We uh, in, involved uh, Greg and Michelle uh, Haswell up at Northlands, we're connected with them translocally. Um, Tom and Michelle as well, they're, uh, he and his wife were just here last week, have been down a couple times this year. Um, and so we, we connected with them, said pray with us about this, what do you guys think? Everybody came back after a couple of months and said, nope, they're not supposed to lead DCF, uh, including Andrew and Jamie. They felt the same thing. And so we really wanted to hear the voice of the Lord for lots of reasons. Um, but as we did that, the thing that we discovered was, okay, if, if that's not what's happening, then now they're on a journey to discover, God, how are you going to do this? We know that you are, but we don't know how. And so they went on this journey um, and started out just saying, oh, we're going to trust the Lord. We, we started putting the money. We, we'd already put some money aside for church planting and had been doing that for several years. Um, and then we prayed. We actually sent them to a couple of different cities. They went to Chicago, um, just places. They felt one of the things they heard the Lord say it was going to be an urban kind of environment, wasn't going to be out in the country or, or anything like that, it was going to be in a city. So we sent them to different cities. When we were in conferences in Atlanta or somewhere else um, in Denver, we would give them a couple of days extra to just go and explore the city, walk the city and pray and see if God was, you know, kind of putting his finger on any of the cities because they knew some things, but they didn't know quite uh, where or when. And so a long time went by, <laughs> five years or so went by. And if you know anything about having that call in your heart to go do something amazing, all of us have something in our heart that we felt the Lord has called us to, and we're pursuing that, and sometimes we're not seeing it work out the way we think. And so they pursued it, did a phenomenal job. Was con they were constantly listening. Uh, God gave Andrew a word that was really cool. He said, I'm going to move at your wife's speed, not yours. And if you know Andrew, that was super frustrating <laughs> for him because he wants to get it done and go quick. And, uh, but he acknowledged that, recognized that, knew it was from the Lord. He, he pressed in and said, Lord, we're going to do that. Waited, and again, as they kind of moved forward, eventually they got the city, felt like it was Greenville, went and checked it out, prayed into it, you know, confirmed. And then they, uh, they took the steps, got a job, you know, tr transitioned everything, sold their house, the whole nine yards in the pursuit of what the Lord was calling them to do, to plant and, and be a part of a, of, of a new church. Thank you. I appreciate that. You sit right there. So, um, so the story goes on. They, they ended up in Greenville. We were constantly connecting with them. Hey, what's going on? How's it going? They're drawing people, trying to gather people, trying to plant a church. And they would gather some people, and then they would, they would, they would go away. They, it, not through anything they were doing wrong. It was just not, it was not working the way that we all thought or assumed it was going to work. And so we said, well, at the end of the day, it's about the journey, and it's about obedience. And so if the Lord's not telling you to do something, don't do it. So don't move forward until you know it's the Lord. So the, obviously the story kind of ends with this announcement today um, or begins, depending on how you want to look at it. Um, so this morning they're announcing at Hope Church that Andrew and Jamie are going to be leading or starting a campus church in the city of Greenville. 
It's the first campus in the city of Jerusalem. It's a bigger church. The campus is all over around that area. This is the first campus in the city of Greenville. So let's celebrate. Isn't that amazing? I love it. So some of you guys know Andrew and Jamie. Some of you don't. But um, part of this is just celebrating the fact that they took, it took almost 10 years. And it's longer than that, actually, because Andrew and they've been feeling it for a long, long time. But, but just the journey we've been on last 11 years with them, watching them grow, watching them um, make choices that were sometimes not easy choices, recognizing the transition and the challenge that was happening with their family. And they, they've got three kids, and, uh, and that was a big challenge, you know, seeing their kids sacrifice along with them as a family based on being obedient to what God had, had said. And the beautiful thing about that is, you know, even though the kids sacrificed as well, They've also seen the model of what it looks like when you choose to obey God. And so they're great mom and dad, great family. So we celebrate with them. So if you get a chance sometime this day, uh, today, send them a text. If you know them, if you don't know them, um, just be thankful that you are part of their journey, even though you don't even know them technically. But our church and all the money that you've given, all the time that you've prayed for them as a family, the time that we built into the value system of who we are at DCF, grace and the freedom that God has for us, all of that is going on in them as they plant into this city, and that's to your account. And so I want you to be aware of that. That's on you that this is happening. So good on you guys. Way to go. You were part of this journey, uh, big or small, you're part of that journey, and every journey that comes out of DCF, that's part of the beautiful thing that God is doing in us as a local church. Our heart is to plant churches. We want to plant churches that do exactly what we do, transform lives by encountering grace and the power of the Holy Spirit. That's our passion what we want to see released in our own city, but also in cities around. So we'll be kind of connecting with them. Uh, we're going to have them in at some point. Obviously, they couldn't make the announcement until the announcement was made, and so that's actually happening right now. Um, so we're going to have them in as soon as we can get them back down here to share a little bit of their story and kind of what's next, how we can be praying for them, and all that kind of stuff. But we celebrate them, love them dearly, and so very, very thankful for who they are and their obedience in the Lord. All right, I'm going to jump in with this message. This message is called Becoming Who You Are. And so last week, Tom uh, preached an amazing message called Recovering Hope. And this morning, there was a reminder about hope and that that's, a, that's something that we all need, obviously. And so he had a couple of points, about four points. So I'm just going to re-preach his sermon and then mine. I'm just kidding. I'm just going to give you the four points. Correct alignment was one about going to the source, about aligning with God. Secondly, he talked about removing the old clothes. It was a different season. And so maybe even pre-COVID and post-COVID as we kind of move into this new world that we're in to remember that you have to let go of the past and grab hold of the future of what God's doing now. Thirdly, he talked about putting on who you are. And then lastly, he talked about watching out for hope thieves. In other words, there are certain people and certain things that can get a hold of your life the enemy will use to try to take away your hope. If he takes away your hope, he takes away your ability to hear the voice of God and obey him into that hope. So really, really good message. If you haven't listened to it, go online and listen to it. He shared a word at the end for us as a church. And one of the things we love about the translocal is they come in with a heart towards God. What are you saying to DCF? And, and how do you want to say that through me? So he shared that. So um, if you haven't had a chance, go look at that. It's at the end of his message. Um, just a beautiful word for our future and what God is doing. A lot of words we're getting about uh, being prepared, get ready. Uh, one, last, the time he was here before, he talked about uh, uh, get ready or get set, get ready, go. And the, the first one was going to take a while, and the last two were going to happen really, really quick. So, so that, that you're a part of that. So as this church steps into its future, that's you. And so my passion for you is the better you can become who God made you to be, right, the more you're going to walk, you're going to walk into the inheritance that God has for you. If, if we have a dream to see God move in big ways in our church, that means numerical growth, uh, impact growth in, in our city, and then also as we travel and do ministry. And what, what we see God created out of this really comes from you guys obeying who the Lord says you are. Because you guys are going to lead the, the teams, you guys are going to lead ministries, you guys are going to lead in direction, you're going to start businesses, you're going to you know, open up doors for family, for people who were broken and to come into healthy and good families and be renewed. You guys are going to lead that. So it's really imperative that we as a body, you individually, recognize who God says you are and get busy becoming that. That's the thing I want to talk about. 
So um, a concept I've been thinking into, I thought about making it into a sermon series. Was called, it, it was a word that kept resonating in my heart, and it was, the word was congruence. It's kind of a funny word, but it's, it literally, it's an adjective. It means um, in agreement or harmony. It's actually a term that's used in geometry that's really interesting. It talks about uh, figures that are identical in form when they face each other. Another way of putting, putting it is coinciding exactly when they're superimposed. So in other words, mirror image, if you will. And so the opposite of that is incongruent and just means simply not meeting together. Something's out of alignment. And see, that was the thing that Tom was talking about last week is about one of the first things we have to do is get in correct alignment. Well, what does that mean? It just means, God, I'm on track. I'm on track for what it is that you're doing. And let me just say this. Circumstances can't tell you that. Because circumstances will tell you some good things and some bad things. Because we live in a fallen world, and a fallen world is not a good place to put your hope, right? Because it's fallen, it's very, very broken. So it's important for you to hear the voice of God about where he's taking you, what he's doing inside of you, and really get after that. So um, let me kind of give you an illustration. Some of you guys have had a car that's been out of alignment. Anybody ever had a car out of alignment? You would know it, I promise you. Because at, at at worst, or sorry, at best, it shakes when you drive it at a certain speed, right? It maybe pulls to one side, and if you get distracted, that pulling to one side could end you up in a ditch real, real quick, right? So I have a car, uh, just got a, an SUV, got another car. We sold our old car um, and got a, a, an SUV because we want to kind of pull a trailer and maybe get, do some camping and stuff, get away for a day or two. And so this has all these newfangled things, and one of them is lane assist. Anybody have lane assist? Lane assist is from Jesus, man. I'm telling you. <laughs> I hear people like the purists are like, I don't need no lane assist. I'm fine. I'm like, no, you're not fine. And you know how I know I'm not fine? My steering wheel vibrates. Thankfully, it doesn't beep at me. The old one would do that. This one just vibrates the steering wheel. And so I'm like, why is this thing out of alignment? And I'm like, oh, because I'm not in the middle. Of, that's why, right? So lane assist is really helpful. Um, and again, if, if, you're, if you're out of alignment, the worst thing can happen is it, it can pull you into a ditch. You get distracted. And if it's out of alignment enough, it can destroy the vehicle you in, you're in, right? But it also can actually hurt you or end up killing you. So, you know, here you are on this amazing journey. And the tool that you're, you're relying on is completely out of alignment, and so it didn't matter whether you planned well for the journey or not. If the vehicle's broken, the vehicle's out of alignment, you're not going to get there very easily. So, so just something to keep in mind, there's, there was this idea in my heart that there's some things that just aren't lining up in what I'm hearing God say and then what I'm seeing happen in my life, right? And so some of those are just simple things that I think just are the vision for what God has called us to as a church. COVID was a big, you know, was a big bully that came in and kind of, you know, it smashed a lot of our hopes about a lot of different things because a lot of us had started some things, right? Our church was right on the verge, right on the cusp. We'd just done this uh, celebration, this 10-year celebration, you know, about our legacy and, and what, what the Lord was, what he'd done in the past and celebrated that and then what he was about to do as we moved into the future. There was lots of people attending the church. There were lots of new people on a regular basis deciding whether they were going to be connecting to the vision of where we were going. Man, things were really, really going well and then COVID surprised God right? That's exactly what happened. God was like, oh, I didn't see that coming. Yeah, see, we, we know better, right? But we don't act like that sometimes. We're like, okay, God, if you knew this was coming, right? First of all, why didn't I know it was coming? Like, because you talked to me, so <laughs> I shouldn't be too surprised, even though I'm pretty surprised. So the question is like, oh, is it going to last very long? How's this going to, you know, happen? What's going to happen? And I remember preaching, the first series I preached in the middle of COVID was called Disrupt. And it was this concept of this was not an interruption like everybody was saying it was. You know, two weeks to, you know, right? <laughs> Y'all remember that? Two, yeah. Two weeks to flatten the curve. Like, yeah, well, it took a little longer than two weeks. So I preached this message about disruption and, and about how it's not an interruption because an interruption is something that can stop and then restart again the same way. But disruption is completely different. It's something that stops and then you got to start it all new in a totally different direction or different way. And so I just want to remind you, part of putting off the old and part of, you know, this whole concept of, of what's happening in COVID is a challenge in many ways. We've heard this, that the Lord has shaken everything that could be shaken so that that which can't be shaken will remain and will be obvious. That's the other thing, right? 
So it's not, none of this is an accident. We live in a fallen world. That's where all this comes from. It makes perfect sense in a worldview um, of Christianity. Some other worldviews, it doesn't make a lot of sense. But to us, it does. And so in this process, we're like, Lord, what are you saying? What are you doing? And those are really, really good questions for disciples to ask. But it's made us tired. It's made us, some of us, if I'm honest, I've been exhausted a few times. Anybody like that? You just feel like, I'm flat worn out. And you would think, okay, I'm not doing as much, or I thought I wasn't going to do as much because everything shut down. In some ways, we're doing more, right? But also the worry and the concern and, you know, you know the world going to hell in a handbasket. I don't know where that phrase comes from. It's just fun to say, right? But, we, but with the riots and, the, you know, the race and race, all this stuff happening and COVID, and we're like, ah, you know, it's, it's horrible. I don't want to live in this kind of world. Nobody wants to live in that world. Right? And part of what God's doing is God's shaking everything that can shake it, He can shake so that we don't have to live in that world. That's part of what God's doing. He's changing the world. But He wants to change the world through you and I. He doesn't want to just be disrupted um, by a default setting, right? He wants us to take what God has been doing, what He's saying to us, and He wants to take the season that we're in and make the adjustments are necessary, that are necessary to launch us into the future He's always had planned for us, right? And so, there's a passage in Hebrews, interesting. It says, um, strengthen the hands that are weak and the knees that are feeble. You felt like that this last year? I know I have. Make straight paths for your feet so that the limb which is lame may not be put out of joint but rather be healed. And it's interesting that he's, he's saying you do that, right? You do that. You strengthen the hands that are weak. He's not doing it. You have to do it. But there, what he's done allows us to do it, if that makes sense. We're going to talk about that. Uh, Galatians 6 says something similar. It says, let us not lose heart in doing good. I'm going to be honest with you guys, a little bit vulnerable. I've lost heart this year. I really have. There have been times where I'm doing it not because I feel it, but because I know what God said. And sometimes that's all I had. And, and I you know, I hope you, you didn't see that too much. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't try to hide it. I just don't make a big deal about it, right? It's not, that's just not what I want to do. And I think that's maturity. It's like, you know, just because I'm having a bad day, I don't need to tell you about it, right? <laughs> right? You ever meet people that's like, if they're having a bad day, they would also like you to have a bad day? You ever met people like that? So I'm tr- we're trying to avoid that. But if I'm honest, I've lost heart. And, and it says, don't lose heart in doing good. And I think that's part of why we lose heart, because it is we're trying to do the right thing trying to love our families, we're trying to serve people, we're trying to, in the ministry, we're trying to build, we're trying to see lives transformed in our businesses. We're like, Lord, I want to I make sure that people have, you know, paychecks, especially if you're responsible in a business. You're like, man, I want to guard this. So it's our heart to do good, to do the right thing, I think. And it says, don't lose heart, for in due time we'll reap if we don't grow weary. So that's a fascinating concept that if in due time is a really interesting word. I don't like it, <laughs> but it's biblical, right? It's part of it is it's the, there's a process, and sowing and reaping. I've been thinking about that. I might talk about that in the future, but but there's there's an interesting aspect about sowing and reaping that's true even in the world of grace. There's some beautiful things about about sowing and reaping that the consequences, certain consequences, are removed because somebody else sowed and reaped on our behalf, right? So I get the fruit of something that I never planted. And the Bible speaks to that. Like I said, we may talk about that in the future. But, but I think what's amazing here is there's this concept of um, in due time we'll reap if we don't grow weary. If we don't, I'm, I'm losing heart. And so I recognize that. And so I have to do something to mitigate that and to deal with the fact that I'm losing heart. What can I do? Because if I keep saying, God, you do it, God's like, well, I did it. So I've done my part, and not that he ever leaves us as orphans. You know, Scripture speaks to that. But there are aspects, especially as you grow and mature, there are aspects that he expects you to take hold of and to do something about. It's yours to do or not to do, right? And so I'm always fascinated at, you know, people who don't understand this concept. If I work hard, I'll, you know, if I work hard in this world, because it's a world of, of, of sowing and reaping, if I, if I work longer, if I work smarter than other people, I tend to do better. That's just kind of a general rule in the, in the law of sowing and reaping, right? If I sow something, I re, um, Dave Ramsey talks about in finance, he says, you know, if I sow corn, and I can't be surprised when I get corn, right? I mean, this farming's hard, but it's not that hard, right? <laughs> so, so if you sow wild oats and, you know, you reap a whirlwind from your wild oats, it's just like, don't be surprised. It's like, well, you 
dummy. That's what you, you did that, right? So the good news is God will often even rescue us from some of the circumstances and the consequences in this world. Eternally, of course, he'll rec- he, he reconciles all of that. It's done. But part of this is to realize that there is a connection between me doing what I know is right and good. And the Bible even speaks, of that, speaks about that in Scripture. says, you know, if, if you don't do what is right, or to know to do right and not do it is sin. It's missing the mark that God intended, missing his intention for your life. To know to do something and don't do it. So there, there are certain responsibilities that we all have, right, that sometimes we forget about. So anyway, it's something I've been thinking about. So it ties into this, this concept of uh, what Tom was talking about. It's, it's a passage in Ephesians chapter 4. It talks about putting something off and putting something on. So I just want to talk about three main things. Putting something off, renewing your mind after you've put it off, right? And then putting something back on. So I'm, I'll, I'll be quick about this, but jo- if you can, go to Ephesians 4.17. I'm going to read this from a cu- couple of different translations, so you can go back and read it in the translations that you like, but you're not preaching, so there you go. All right, so I tell you this, and insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do. L- listen, let me just start here. He, this is Paul speaking to a church that he's founded, that he's built. People are saved. They've come to know Jesus. They're headed in the right direction, and some things are going wrong, and they're not really sure why they're going on. So he speaks to that, and he says, I tell you this, and I insist on it in the Lord. Those are really strong words for him to say. I insist on it in the Lord. <laughs> so I'm like, he's like, it's not a law, but it, it's as close as I can get to making it a law. It's super important, so you should do it, right? And then he says this that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do. In other words, whatever you've been doing, stop it. (laughs) It's not hard. It goes on. He talks about if you were stealing, stop stealing things and work with your hands. Be a productive member of society rather than taking what belongs to someone else, right? Stop it. Don't do that. And so that's a beautiful challenge. He said, don't live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. The New Living Translation calls it hopelessly confused. Like people don't understand why their world is is falling apart. They just don't, they're like, I don't know what's happening. We're all like, we do. (laughs) I was there, man. My world was falling apart too. I want to talk to you about how that doesn't have to be the case. Verse 18 says, their minds are full of darkness. They wander far from the life God gives because they've closed their minds and hardened their hearts against him. They have no sense of shame. They live for lustful pleasure and eagerly practice every kind of impurity. That's, man, that is an indictment, right? John Stott put it like this when he outlined this, this scripture. He said, first it starts with the hardness of heart, then it moves, moves into the darkness of the heart, and then the deadness of the heart, and finally, recklessness, unrestrained abandonment to sin. In other words, you do what's right in your own eyes. That's the book of Judges. There arose a people who did what was right in their own eyes. They didn't do what God said. They, didn't, they did not recognize him as an authority, so they became their own God, and they did what they wanted to do. And my question is, how's that working out for you? <laughs> right? When your God is as limited as you, you are in trouble. You know what I'm saying? That's why like, God, by his very nature, is going to be bigger than you. Otherwise, what kind of God is he, really, right? So if you're like, I totally, I totally understand, you know, God and, and the concept of God, but I'm still an atheist. I'm like, no, you don't. <laughs> you are so smart, you're dumb, right? Anybody know dumb, smart people? I know a few. I've been a, well, I wish I was smart. I've been dumb. Let me just put it that way. So it goes on, Ephesians 4.20. It says, but that way of life is nothing like what you learned when you came to know Christ. Hear what he said. It's nothing like what you learned. You learned something when you came to Jesus. He changed your heart. A new heart was given to you. The Bible says there's going to come a day when I'm going to take out the heart of stone and I'm put in a heart of flesh, right? A responsive heart, a a heart that's not closed, a heart that can hear, that can connect with the one who made it, right? So he says, um, it's nothing like what you learned when you came to know Christ, I know that you heard about him, him, and in him you were taught the truth. Yes, the truth is in Jesus. That's a powerful phrase. Verse 22 says, you were taught to leave your old self. Or another version says, put off the old man, right? It's a fascinating concept. 
You're taught to leave your old self. This means that you must stop living the evil way you lived before. I'm going to become a Christian, but I'm, there's going to be no change in my life. Then I really do wonder if you actually understand what becoming a Christian means, right? Because the Bible says you're bought with a price, you're no longer yours. And so we're going to talk about that, but ultimately what happens is, and I've talked about this before, that you have to move the center of your universe from you to someone else, right? And so that's what, that's what he's kind of talking about here. He goes on, he says, um, that old self gets worse and worse because people are fooled by the evil they want to do. In other words, you're, if you get caught up in, stu- in, in evil, like, you know, there's this classic, you see it all the time, you can, you can see it in other people's lives, often you can't see it in your own, where, where they're making some mistakes, some really dumb things, and you're trying to, well, it's your, whether it's your kids, whether it's a friend or whatever, you're like, man, this is going to end badly. I'm telling you, I see the writing on the wall, the bridge is out, use every metaphor you know how to use, Right? And they say something stupid like, but I'm in love. Like, no, you're in lust, but that's another conversation for another day, right? (laughs) You're going, don't do this. And they're like, no, no, it's going to be different with me. And all you can do is just hang your head. You're like, they're going to find out, right? So what do you do? You just love them through it, right, and hope there's enough pieces to pick up when it's all done, right? It's kind of what you do. And I've been doing that for 30-something years in ministry, and I hate it. I hate it. This drives me crazy to watch somebody, and I'm like, I've tried different methods. <laughs> None of them work. <laughs> I don't know that there's a way that can happen outside of someone just has to make a decision to go, God, I just submit to you, right? I mean, he's saying it, but I hear your voice in my friend or my parents or whatever. And, and I, I think that's the big challenge is that the Bible says that we're fooled by the evil thing that we want to do. It's like it gets hold of our mind, and our, the Bible says our minds are darkened. It's futile. But the dangerous thing that the darkening, it, it has a progression. So be careful of that. Just kind of a side note. He goes on. He said, you were taught to leave your old self, stop living the evil way you do. And it says, you, were, you must be made new in your hearts and in your thinking. You know, we talk about what we do at DCF is lives transform. That's our passion, to see lives transform. How do you do that? Well, first thing has to happen is you have to get new life or you're dead in your sins. There's no hope if you're dead in your sins. So you have to understand who Jesus is, what he did, and you have to receive him as your Savior. I've said this a million times, Christianity is the only world religion with a Savior. Every other way you can save yourself, but that is completely completely opposite of what Christianity actually says, what Jesus taught. And Jesus modeled it, right? The one who could be the center of the universe chose not to be. He gave of himself. He said, Lord, if there's, Father, if there's any other way, I, I, I don't want to go to the cross. But nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. There was a submission process in this whole other story. So the con- concept is you've got, to, you've got to recognize, you've got to put something off. Here's what Romans 6, 6 says, happens when you're born again. It says, we know that our old life was put to death on the cross with Christ. This happened so that, so that's a beautiful phrase, so that our sinful selves would have no power over us. In other words, for the first time when you became a believer, you now have power over sin. Sin no longer has power over you. But if you don't know that, you will continue to live in the old patterns of your existence. That's the old man. You get a new heart, but you don't get a new brain. <laughs> right? You get a heart that's made out of flesh, that's connected to the Lord, that hears his voice. The, there's one passage that says that you obeyed from the heart. In other words, this thing gets changed. New nature, new heart. Anybody who says, you know, it's just the old man. They said this to me in Bible college, and it was wrong then, and it's wrong now. Your old man is never so dead, he can't be resurrected. Wrong! He's dead. He is absolutely crucified on the cross with Christ. But he will stay in your mind as long as you give him the ability, and, you know, he's living there rent-free, right? (laughs) People say that about Trump, like he's living in people's Especially CNN. He's living in CNN's mind rent-free because they always think about it, right? He's like, you know he's not present. Anyway, that's a whole side. The whole point is sin will do that. It will live inside your mind if you let it. Your old patterns and your old ways, how you were brought up, your family of record, how, you know, what it was like. Nobody gets to choose their parents, right? 
You didn't get to choose your parents. They were who they were, broken, busted, whole, complete, loving, not loving, whatever, whatever state they were, you, you didn't get to choose that. You were in it. That's from the broken, fallen world. The best thing we could do for our kids is be renewed in, in our mind, right? They give our kids that gift. You don't have to grow up with all the problems and challenges I did. So it's a big deal. Uh, 1 Corinthians says it this way, people who do not have God's spirit do not accept the things that come from his spirit. If you don't have God's spirit living inside of you, you can't hear his voice. You know what you do? You follow rules and you follow regulations because that's what you know. But you can't hear his voice. Jesus said, unless you're born again, you can't even see the kingdom of God. It, It makes no sense to you. It's a theory. I know guys who study the Bible as, as uh, literature. Well, that's fine, but that's dumb, right? To take the actual revelation of God and treat it as, you know, an English book, that's just not probably the wisest thing you can do. So uh, the challenge is we've got to be born again. We've got to go from death to life before our minds can even begin to be transformed. So it goes on. They think these things are foolish. They can't understand them because they can only be understood with the Spirit's help. In other words, it's got to be Him. And then Colossians 3.9 says it this way. Do not lie to each other. Isn't it interesting that Paul's telling the Colossian church, stop lying to one another? Would you like it if I got up this morning and said, y'all need to stop lying to each other? Right? This was the beginning of a church. I guess their pattern was we, we just... Nobody tells the truth in our church, right? What's your church like? It's a bunch of liars, but Jesus is there. Like, <laughs> But it's amazing to me as a leader, he had to say that. Why? Because the patterns of lying were their old life, still lingering, being held on to because they weren't allowing their minds to be transformed. He says, don't lie to each other since you've taken off your old self with its practices. In other words, look, you don't have to do that anymore. Why are you lying? Some of we lie to protect, we lie because I'm embarrassed. There's a lot of reasons why people lie. And Paul's saying if you could really understood, understand how Jesus sees you and how the church sees you, you wouldn't have to lie. You wouldn't have to pretend to be somebody you're not because Jesus accepts you. He knew everything about you and he loved you anyway. And we do too, right? I mean, not as much as Jesus, but, you know, <laughs> right? We're getting better at it as the church. But he had to tell this church, quit Quit doing old things that your mind will want you to do. And then it talks about reckoning your old man dead. So you have to intentionally, if you're going to make it in in the Christian walk, you have to intentionally do this when temptation arises because temptations will come, right? So what does it look like? Romans 6, 11. In the same way, you should see yourselves or reckon yourselves dead to sin, dead to the power of sin, and alive for God through Christ Jesus. See, the old man is tempted. That old lingering thought process, the patterns of your mind are still available. They're still back there, right? And you can access them at any time. What happens? Somebody says something to you, and you immediately get defensive. Why do you get defensive? If Jesus, if you're alive in Christ, why in the world would you need to be defensive, right? But the old patterns in your mind, bring that stuff up and go, oh, that's because this happened. I had to defend myself in my family of record or how I grew up because nobody else would defend me. Well, those days are over. So stop being defensive. You don't have to be defensive anymore. But we still hold on to that because oftentimes it's lingering. Scripture says you lay aside the sin that so easily besets you. Why would sin so easily beset a believer? because you haven't laid it aside. Not everybody's temptation is the same. Excuse me. I know people who can't drink alcohol, even though the Bible clearly says you can. That ought to get a lot of likes on YouTube, right? (laughs) Can't wait to see the comments on that one. But it's just true. doesn't say you should get drunk, right? That's exactly what it says not to do. But But there's nowhere the Bible says you can't drink. People say, well, Jesus turned water into grape juice. I have, oh, have coffee with me. I have a lot of reasons why that's not true. But clearly, the Bible, so my favorite one says, if you're going to be an elder, it says, don't be given to much wine. You just can't get past that one, okay? You just can't. It doesn't say don't ever drink wine because you're going to embarrass people. You're, it doesn't say that at all. It says don't be given to much wine. Don't, don't do it in excess. Now, why do I say that? But there are some people who say, I know the old patterns are so strong and so easily, so easily 
set me aside. I mean, so easily lead me astray. I have to set that aside, and I just choose not to do it. I don't have, I'm not saying you, have, you don't. You, you're fine. I mean, you can even have wine in front of me. I don't care. I, listen, I don't have that problem, but I don't even li- I don't like drinking. I don't like wine. I really don't like beer. I'm like, I don't know who put that on the world. I'm like, you guys are drink- You have to acquire the taste. Uh, listen, if, if it's a taste you have to acquire, you maybe need to Google that a little deeper. I'm just saying. Personal opinion. No, it's fine. If you like beer, that's fine. I get it. My, my challenge is, whatever your thing was, deal with it, right? Whatever it is, lay it aside. And sometimes that means taking some really strong actions. When I first went to, uh, to England, I, I got a television set because it's what you do, right? And then on the television set, I'm sitting there minding my own business, listening to some freaky English accent, talking about something that made no sense to me because even though they were the same language, it's still a different culture. All of a sudden, there's a commercial comes on about soap. And I was like, oh, that lady's naked right there in front of me about soap. I'm like, I don't even remember what the soap was because there was a naked woman right there, right? So you know what I had to do? I was 20 years old. You know what I had to do? I had to get rid of my television. That's what I had to do. I didn't want to get rid of my television. You know what? I like those other, the other things that came on. You know, it's just a little, it's just a naked woman. <laughs> right? Isn't that what we do? Oh, it's no problem. It's just, ah, it's fine. And, you're, and your heart's going, uh, <laughs> don't do it. You're going to get yourself in trouble. We know. It's not like we don't know. So what does the Bible say? It says lay aside those things. Do whatever is necessary to, to, to get away. Some, the Bible says for youthful lust, talking about young men especially, run from it. You are not strong enough. Young people, young men, you are not strong enough. Do whatever it takes. That's, a, again, whole another message. We have to do it day by day because it always, it always has the potential to come back. So let me read 1 Corinthians 10. No temptation is overtaking you, but such is common to man. Isn't that good news? You, you don't think that's good news. It's like, oh, man, everybody's got to deal with this. Yes, but listen to what it says. And God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will provide the way of escape also so that you will be able to endure it. Temptation is about enduring it. Jesus endured it 100%, never gave in to it, right? That's the beauty. That's why he could, his blood is pure enough to save us from our sin. But the good news is that even though temptation is there, it's common to men. It's not, it's not overwhelming. It's not too powerful. It's not something you can't avoid. Don't buy into the lie that you can't deal with because the Bible says you can. There may be some things you have to do to put in place so that you have to deal with it. It makes it easier. Fine, do those things. Make, do whatever's necessary, right? It's a rough world. If you don't do that, it's going to get a hold of you. Do whatever's necessary. Put away that old, that old mindset, the old thinking, the old patterns of thinking. Do what's necessary. Grow in that. But here's the beauty of it. All men face the same temptation. This is a wonderful thing because some men have overcome it. And that's encouraging to you and I, that there are some people who've not given in to the temptation that you are dealing with. Find out how. Find people, books, leaders in the church, wherever, find people who have managed, somehow figured out how to deal with that, the temptation that so easily besets you. Maybe it's drinking. Talk to somebody about that. Who's, you've seen them overcome it. Maybe it's sexual things. Talk to someone. Maybe it's relational issues. It could be a hundred different things. Maybe it's money. Whatever it is, talk to someone. Somebody has overcome this temptation, right? And we can help you through it. The second thing it says, be renewed. Ephesians 4.23, that you're renewed in the spirit of your mind. This simply means made new, readjusted, changed, turned around, and regenerated. The mind of man has been affected by sin, and it desperately needs to be renewed. You were affected by sin to some degree. And it's basically worldly. This is what it means. This is what you came into. You came into Christ with this mind. It's selfish. It's self-centered. It's self-seeking. It's centered on this world. It's centered on the flesh. And it's centered on this life. You know how you know that? You worry. That's how you know. You worry. I worry sometimes about not having enough money for retirement. I worry about if COVID really gets, if, if it doesn't get any better and, and our finances don't get any better and the law of attrition kicks in at some point, um, I'm not going to have a full-time salary. So that pops into my head, right? I think about getting older. Karen and I don't have kids. Like, oh, well, who's going to take care of us? Well, Karen's going to take care of me. Who's going to take care of Karen, right? <laughs> I'm, I'm hoping. Anyway, I'm assuming. 
right? So those things pop into your head. It's not like if you're a thinker, if you think at all, those things are going to pop in your head. The question isn't what happens when the temptation comes. The question is, what are you going to do about it? How do you fight it? You've got to be renewed in your mind. How does that happen? You allow the Word of God to change the way you think about the future. If, you have, if your old man was centered on itself, it's centered on the world, it's centered on the flesh, it's centered on I want to feel good, I want things to go well for me, that's wonderful. If you're going to lead your home as a husband, sometimes it's going to go badly for you so that your family can be blessed. That's just the nature of what it means to lead and to sacrifice, right? you got to give. you gotta, you got to lean into this. Why? Because if you don't, if, you're, if you don't allow your mind to be transformed, then whatever was broken inside of you, you pass it down to your kids and everybody you disciple. Don't do that. Allow the Lord to change you. Let him renew your mind. So what happens when a person receives Christ is he gets a couple of things that happen. One, he's born again. Two, he's made into a new man. He's made into a new creature. And this is a beautiful one. He's given the mind of Christ. You have, if you're a believer this morning, you have the mind of Christ inside of you already. And it's constantly, it's constantly warring with your old man, that old, those old patterns in your mind to try to transform you. And you know it's true. Let me just tell you one way this happens with me. It's just maybe this is a nuance. Maybe you don't, it doesn't happen this way. But one way it happens to me is this. You hear people say amazing, beautiful things, and, and they're saying, you know, God, it's hope. And you hear the, like Alan came up and shared about hope. And last week Tom preached about hope. And you're like, yeah, but, right? That's that old man saying, you know, yeah, but, you know, don't you understand? And like Tom's, he understands. He's had hopeless moments. I, I, I imagine Alan's had a few hopeless moments in his life, right? And yet he comes up and he says, hey, this is the beautiful thing that the Lord is saying about hope. And why? Part of it is because he wants it too. He knows that it's true. And he's leaning, he's choosing. Tom was choosing, leaning in. This is why I want to preach into hope. It's why I'm doing it. But in the back of your mind, you like, yeah, but if you knew my circumstances, quit being so self-centered, Stop it. Just quit. You have the power. Sin holds no power over you unless you give it power. Stop giving it power in your life to hold on to you. And the way that works so often is that old way of thinking. Well, I always worry. Then stop worrying. The Bible says, here, beautiful passage. Don't worry. Beautiful passage in Scripture. Super profound, deep. You have to really have a commentary to understand what it means. Don't worry. Why would God say that? It's because you don't have to. Can you choose to? Sure. Go for it. Let me know how that works out for you. It sucks. It sucks. Your mind is never at peace. Your heart is never at peace. If you're pursuing something that isn't God, you're gonna, whether, whether it's an education, a relationship, a business, money, things, whatever it is, if you're pursuing it and God's not in it, even when you get it, it's going to disappoint you. So why chase it in the first place? The Bible talks about being content. Another message I could get into. We have the mind of Christ. That's an event. But the renewing is a process. Let me say that again. You have the mind of Christ. That's given to you in the new birth. New heart, right? You have a new mind. But now you have to make a decision to put off the old ways of thinking and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. You have to choose this. No one is going to do it for you. You have to choose. How do you do it? Get into the word of God. Get habits where you're reading the Bible as a habit, praying as a habit, gathering together with other believers, whether that's a Sunday morning, Bible study, um, small group, whatever, that's a habit. It's always easy to not come to small group or not come to church. There's a million reasons competing for that moment. But a habit says, I'm going to do it because that's what I do. Why? Because I made a, a conscious, intentional decision that this is good and this is not. So I'm going to do this and not do that. It's a simple, simple equation. So the last thing you do, there's lots more to say about this. Part of what you do is you cast down imaginations. Every thought. This is um, 2 Corinthians 10. It says, for though we live in the world, we don't wage war the same way the world does. It goes on, it says, we have defined power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. You have to do that. You do. God will not make you make thoughts obedient to Christ. You have to become a cowboy and wrangle your thoughts. You have to do it. Well, I'm thinking, I'm starting to worry. Well, well, Okay, <laughs> now what? 
I'm starting to worry. I'm starting to think about things. I'm, what the Bible talks about another thing you can do is you can say, it says, set your mind on these things. What's sort of is pure? What's of good report? So if you start listening to the news and everything is not of good report, did you know there's an off button on your television? I mean, not a physical one anymore. I think they quit making those a couple years ago. But find your remote. If you have to, put new batteries. I don't know. Maybe turn, get, get rid of your TV if you have to. I don't know. Right? But if whatever's good, whatever's praiseworthy, I'm going to think. I'm going to dwell on these things. Stop believing. Listen, if you hear nothing else today, stop believing that everything in your brain is automatic. It's not. Your brain is given to you. Your mind is something you have to renew. You hear me? So you got to make choices about what you're going to do. So put on the new man. The Bible says, Ephesians 4.24, put on the new self, which is in the likeness of God, has been created in righteousness and holiness of the truth. It's already righteous. It's already holy. It's there. It is a man who is in fellowship with God, obedient to God's will, and devoted to God's service. God gives us a new heart. We talked about that. I talked about in Romans. It talks about being obedient from the heart. That's that new heart. And let me just close with this. A couple of things. How can I do this? First of all, be intentional. You've, you've heard me say this a million times. I'll say it a million more. Nobody matures accidentally. Nobody does that. Mostly what happens is people just get bigger with more muscles, more power, more authority, but the same selfishness they had when they were two, and that just means that their tantrums tend to do more damage. Right? There's nothing worse, I think, than a grown man who acts like a two-year-old. Just nothing worse. Especially, I mean, a guy, a guy who has power, you know, I don't have as much as I used to. I'm getting a little bit older. But I remember martial artists, you know, athletic, um, skilled in a bunch of, I mean, I've, I had some confidence, right? I could, when, I was, when I was 17 years old, I could kick a basketball goal. I'm amazing. Fearfully and wonderfully made. <laughs> in a fallen world, now you have to lay the basketball down on the ground, and then I can kick it, right? That's, that's how I do it now. You got to be smarter, right? You don't have to. <laughs> My point is, it, that stuff goes away. Like, we live in a fallen world. One day I'll get a new body. I can kick basketball goes on Venus if I want to. I don't know. I'm, my point is, we're gonna, all of us are going to suffer the physical aspects of it. We get it. We're not, it's, nothing's going to happen accidental. If I make a choice, if I make a choice to become strong in my spirit, it's because I took steps to get there. I was intentional. And, and, and my strength, I remember being strong, and, and Karen made me mad a few times, only a few times, but she made me mad a couple of times when we were dating. And I could feel my strength rise as a man. Now, first of all, she told me, also, you have to know Karen, but she told me one time on the way home from a date, she's just thinking about it, just talked about her family of record. She's like, if you ever hit me, I'll kill you. And I was like, no, did <laughs> She was not playing. <laughs> She's like, you might be stronger than me, but you do sleep. And so I'll, I'm just saying. It's a whole other story. But I remember that. And I remember my strength is for her, not against her. And I've, I've, I've mistaken that. I've, I've messed that up in, in, in the past. I've never hit Karen. Like I said, I'm scared to. <laughs> well, I, have, I have some wisdom. But... But I have, I've hurt her. I've used my strength to hurt her. You know, we talk about this in marriage counseling. Like, everybody knows there's a button. I know Karen's button. Poke, 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 poke. Right? And I used to, and she would make me mad, and I didn't have a good defense because I was, you know, wrong and stuff. Um, I would poke the button because <laughs> that would distract her, right? And she would go in defensive mode or whatever her, her thing was. And she knew where my button was. And we finally figured out, I can push the button. I'm just not going to. Right? Just because I can doesn't mean I should. Jurassic Park, in case you're wondering. <laughs> that's, that's our heart. Our passion is, okay, I've got to make some decisions about even though I can, I can't. Greg talks about this when, we, when he trains leaders up at Northlands and something we use as well. Um, others may. You may not. It's a choice. Even though you have freedom to do it, you don't. So it's just a choice. So be intentional. Next, believe what's true about you. What you believe will determine what you do. That's, it's not what you do determines what you believe. It's the other way around. And so 
You've been given a new heart, a new nature. You're fearfully and wonderfully made. You're not a mistake. Stop saying that. You're forgiven. You're loved. You're accepted. And you have an inheritance. But the inheritance can't come in an old mind. It can only come through a transformed mind. And then lastly, you know, last two things. Discipline brings maturity. This is just kind of a no-brainer. Maturity can be defined as the ability to delay pleasure or gratification for a higher purpose. Others may, I may not, you know. Dave Ramsey talks about finance, um, and he says, you know, live like no one else so that later you can live and give like no one else, right? Everybody else is doing something, you're choosing to save, and they're like, oh, party on. You're like, ah, nope, not doing it. Choose to focus on what God is doing in your life. Don't get distracted. Put habits in place. I mentioned that. It's the reason why lane assist is in the car. This, this new car, have, it, has, it has lane assistance and um, you're an idiot, I have to get you back on the road button, right? So it just, it, it puts, if I'm going left, if I start getting distracted and the vibration isn't, you know, getting my attention because I'm super distracted, it'll put the brakes on on the other side and pull me back into the lane. I, I don't want to need that. <laughs> but I'm, I'm very thankful for that. And God, thankfully, God's put things in your life like me preaching to you this morning. Maybe he's putting the brakes on one side of your vehicle and saying, hey, maybe you need to get back in your lane, right? Discipline, it brings maturity, and then ultimately, maturity brings you your inheritance. You don't get it. You don't get it unless you mature. Billionaire is not going to give his two-year-old son all of his money because you know what he'll do with it? He'll buy a bunch of pacifiers. That's what he'll do. Because <laughs> he's selfish and he just wants to feel better, right? And if you're 50 and you haven't dealt with it, you'll buy a sports car, which is just another way of buying a pacifier, <laughs> right? I'm not sure what you ladies do. I think you're fine. You don't need to worry about any of that stuff. <laughs> Let me leave you this last scripture. Um, Let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we don't give up. Maturity brings inheritance, but it takes obedience in the same direction over time to see results. Amen? Why don't you stand with me? I kept you a little longer. I'm sorry, but hopefully this was helpful. Um, Next week, Dave Woodham's going to be talking about some identity stuff, and so excited about that. Dave's uh, stepping up and taking a teaching role in our church and leading worship and manning up. I love it. He's, uh, we talked about Dave being a son in the house. He's obviously that. But what I love is to see him, he's very quickly becoming a father in our house. And I love that even more. So I'm excited. You guys aren't pregnant, are you? Because if you are, I'm going to make it. Okay, just checking. <laughs> did, did I say that out loud publicly on YouTube? My bad. My bad. I just hear the number seven. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. All right. Anyway, let me, I should quit, probably. I should pray. <laughs> so, Jesus, thank you so much, God. Thank you for your faithfulness. Lord, thank you that even through this tough season we've had, Lord, that you have never left us. You've never forsaken us, Lord. You would never leave us as orphans because you're such a good, good father. So, Lord, we just thank you. Lord, you call us out to be. Lord, you're calling us to greatness. You're calling out, out to be who we were designed to be. Lord, this message was entitled, Becoming Who I Already Am, Becoming Who You Are. And so, Jesus, would you remind us it's not a hard thing, that sin has no power over us anymore, that we can step up, we can be who you made us to be. It's in us to do, and the world needs us to do it. And so, Lord, as we lean in to what you're saying to us, God, let the fruit of it become a blessing to those around us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. We love you guys. If you need prayer, if you're in-house this morning and you need prayer, just raise your hand. One of our leaders will come pray with you. Um, If you're online, go to dothancf.com, and there's a place there for you can connect with us, and we'd love to pray for you as well. Guys, have a wonderful week. I love you. I'll see you next time.